1: lines it up, finds the net, Arsenal in front. Siri, show me Arsenaling the shit out of something. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We are recording this live, so those of you listening to it as usual, you're listening to it as usual. Those of you who are listening to it live are, by definition, listening to it live. Um, just something we're doing because it's getting out late in the week, and if you, know, you wanted it, here it is. You can listen to it right now. Whenever you are listening to it, though, is technically right now. It's right now. We just missed it. That was then. But this, this is now. A little space balls for you. My name is, of course, Elliot Smith. I am joined by uh, Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Paws Into My Pants. Hello, Paws. Woohoo. And Scott. You can find him on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. Hello, Scott. Yeah. All right, there we go. Got those out of the way. <laughs> now, um, a few things. So if you want to sign up for Patreon, we've got two really, really fun episodes planned. They are uh, going to be coming out. You'll be seeing some stuff on social media about it because it's kind of a get involved thing. One is a mailbag, another is a another new thing. So if you want to sign up for that, we are on the precipice of releasing that. Tim's match preview for uh, whatever team we play next is out Um I say whatever team we play next because apparently at the end of the last pod, I jinxed everything by saying Arsenal 10, Watford nil instead of Wolves. So you can blame me. It is my fault. Um, So, yeah, let's get the ball rolling because this was a hell of a lot of fun. Uh, No, wait, what's the opposite of that? This was a complete shit show. And, Paul, I, I can't help but admit that when I saw the lineup come out, I was reasonably encouraged because I thought, okay, he's going for it. He got a little too conservative against Crystal Palace. And he's going for it. And truth be told, in the opening part of the match, we were all over them. We really did have them pinned back, and we got into a lot of dangerous positions. But, we had
2: a good 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, but but like much of our season, I think a secret, sort of quiet, under-the-radar story of our season is failing to turn dangerous possession into shots and into goals. And so, for you, putting aside the errors, because you know the goals were sort of fluky. I think they wound up having four shots mm. on target the whole game. Was the game lost for you in that first 20 minutes when we had them under the cosh and failed to find a way to convert that into into shots and into goals?
2: Uh, yes-ish and throughout the game. And we have very, very few shots. Um, I mean, especially when you think who took the shots. I mean, how many goal scorers were on the pitch? Uh, you know, let, let's give en- Enketia a break or Katia is my preferred pronunciation, but Nketiah break. How many goal scorers did we have on the pitch? We basically had Lacazette and maybe um, our, uh, our old mate, he says, Mikatarian. okay, that's who I had in mind, uh, and Ozil, right? Um, and uh, uh, Lacazette had two shots in the game, one of which was blocked, and the first of which was that reasonable position where he took down a ball from Chaka who actually had a few really good balls over the top and uh, he took down that ball from Chaka uh, probably like 20 minutes into the game or something like that and just blasted it way wide of the right hand post and that was it from Lacazette so um, I don't know what you say about that do you say that's Lacazette or us I think it's us and our our chance creation And I can't help wondering, I can never quite prove this, but I can't help wondering why we're the third, I'll call it worst. I don't know if it's necessarily bad or good, we're the third worst team in terms of the number of passes we play in our own third, our own defensive third. Mm. In other words, I mean, it could be a good thing, right? There's two sides to every coin, but it doesn't feel like it is. We play more passes in our own Defensive third than any other team in the league, bar two who were crap, and o- the only decent team nearest—if you can call them decent—is Manchester United. All the good teams are the far end of the spectrum. They're playing their passes in the other end, which may exp- explain why we're so pass shy, to some at least partially. I mean, it could—you know—you could do it with quick transitions and uh, a little uh, jiggery pokery and and turn. Uh, all that possession in our final third into lots of or in our defensive third into lots of great counter attacks, but we're producing worst case scenario. Lots of passes around our back, two, three, five, um, not playing very well at, out of the back, which is why I always talk about that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And, yeah, and
1: uh, don't you think also? Yeah. I mean, some of this is we we've played with a back three a lot. Um, yeah. You know, we've we've not necessarily had the dynamic play from our central midfielders we've always wanted. We played a lot of the season without Ramsey and without Ozil, and as a result, we just wound up recycling possession a lot between the the back three and the and the wingbacks.
2: Uh, so, a quick comment on that, and then I'll seed the mic. Please but do. Yes, we have. That has been a statistic of us for the whole season, regardless of formation. And we didn't really start off with three of the back, so it's True. just I, I don't really understand it. I mean, I watch the games, I don't know what we're doing that makes it the case that we play around the back, but but we do, and we have very few shots. I mean, Lacazette had one shot and a blocked shot. I mean, that's that's incredible. And I loved the lineup, I mean, based on what we had available to us. Um, and I'll go into a little rant at some stage, I won't do it sure, right now. Yeah, but- okay.
1: Well, let's move on to Scott just for a minute, because I, I, I've yeah. heard your voice for so long now. And <laughs> I'm ready to hear something else. Um, Scott, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty, And it's my favorite type of insight, because um, it, it's a lot easier You're to be wise after now, the fact exactly. than before. Yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you this. I mean, do you think in retrospect that Emery just got his lineups backwards, that he thought he could be conservative against Palace and at home get away with it, and then he felt he had to go for it at Wolves because of the Palace result, and actually he just got it perfectly backwards. In the context of how the other results went, had he really gone for it against Palace at home, we could have been as conservative as we wanted against Wolves and been fine regardless, but he sort of got it backwards, didn't he?
3: Yeah, probably. But I think also against Crystal Palace, you know, we were kind of with uh, a little short in midfield. So that was kind of a an issue where, you know, because we were just coming off of Napoli and we picked up some knocks in that game, we were never really going to be in a, in a great spot there. So I, I, I kind of give him a little bit of a pass on Crystal Palace, at least in that regard. But yeah, I think he did kind of over overcompensate again so you know we got a bad result and then he tried to really kind of go the opposite way and it was about the about the same you know result that ended up being you know wasn't right for the match um and i'm just going back a little bit on paul so i actually have chelsea um here with more defensive third passes than arsenal this season you know at least completed but, but see, Arsenal right, so, have attempted more.
1: so mm. let me just say something there though actually i think that's a really interesting insight because i think it's the same kind of thing. Like, what does Chelsea want to do? What is sorry ball? Play it out from the back religiously. Invite pressure onto you. Then try to bypass that pressure and create a transition or, an, you know, a numerical advantage in the attacking third by inviting that pressure on you. And as we know, with sorry ball, like, when you drop off and you sit a little deeper and you don't bring that pressure, they struggle to break you down once they get into the attacking third. And I think even though you wouldn't call Emery ball sorry ball, there is a little something to that, that when we play in transition and can create those dangerous positions that way it works. But, you know, we we wind up spending a lot of time trying to figure out how to pick the lock. We do very little through the middle of the pitch, too. And so I think a lot of time is spent recycling the ball at the back, trying to get it to those wing backs or fullbacks. So, you know, I, I do think that there's something to that, but I want to get a little more specific about this game, Scott. And like I think because our defense is so bad, so much of the attention winds up on the defense. I actually think, unfortunately, Emery has really been not a great coach for us in terms of the attack in the smaller games. I think he's been good in big games where he can nullify the opposition, but against the smaller teams where the onus is on us to create attack, he hasn't been that good at doing it. And again, we have 11 shots in an away game, one shot on target in a game where long stretches of the game were played chasing the game. That first 20 minutes was encouraging and disappointing all at once for me because it showed just how little bite we really have we were on top of them with possession in the final third and couldn't convert it into anything dangerous Lacazette has 13 goals that was the best player we had on the pitch 13 goals now he also has eight assists I'm not trying to knock the guy but he doesn't have the aerial dominance of a Giroud. he doesn't have the pace of an Aubameyang it will be body faint body faint shift it shift it shift it look up shift it body faint and then you know tamely lose the ball Mkhitaryan looks like he's on what running around on my legs like There's just not a lot of dynamism or athleticism in the attack. And I'm wondering if you think that the reliance on using the wings all season has just left us one-dimensional, or if maybe it's also the fact that we just don't have the attacking talent we thought we did. I
3: think it's—yeah, so this is something that I was actually kind of wondering too. So one of the things that I kind of noticed, at least from this game, is that we have—you know, our plan A is to attack the half spaces, especially when we get into the final third and in the box. So it's attack that, you know, half space— you know, play a little one-two, try to get to the edge, you know, the, the end line and then do a cutback or try to kind of do the one-twos through there and try to get free. And, you know, it's a, a very good tactic if it works, but there isn't a whole lot of a, a plan B. There isn't anything else that really goes through the middle at all um, with the team. And it's, it's, it's a very frustrating as, you know, Wolves really did well, I think, in counteracting that and really kind of shutting that down. And then Arsenal, you know, they'd get possession there, they would but then Wolves would really just kind of throw bodies in the way and it wasn't something that Arsenal could get through. And it's it's been tough. So I think Emery has focused in trying to improve the defense this season. It hasn't really worked, because I mean you actually look at, you know, the the stats between this year and last year, and you know, there's not a huge difference in the the players that have, you know, come and gone. But you know, Arsenal are giving up way more shots per game. Um, they've actually already given up more shots this season than they did all of last year, um, and they're giving up almost a a half a goal more um, expected per game this season. So for all that focus that's on the the defense, it, it really hasn't played or paid dividends, and the the attack has certainly suffered. And it's it's a frustrating thing to to see happen because I don't feel there is a, a plan B um, when we when we you know our main attacking thrust is shut down.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, but like it is easy to focus on the attack, I mean, on the defense, when you concede three goals and when you've just conceded three goals at home to Palace as well. Yeah, the the defense is not great. We know that. But I do think it is our toothlessness in attack that is a problem. And I remember this a little last season in the Europa League. We'd have dominant first halves where we didn't create much. And then we'd have really weak second halves because eventually those terrible Europa League teams would wake up and realize, holy shit, they can't hurt us. So we can try coming at them a little more. And... I think once Wolves sort of came to terms with those first waves of attack from us, they started to be able to counter a little more and they started to be able to create more dangerous situations. But like the onus is on us to go out and attack these teams, get shots on goal, score goals, put them on the back foot. And if you look at the winning run we were on, we took the lead in every single game. That was the key. When we get punched in the mouth, when we concede that first goal, we really don't seem to have a good feel for how to chase a game, and and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Paul, I know you want to take issue with my point about Lacazette. To be clear, I'm not saying he's not a good player, but I don't think you can class him as an elite striker, certainly an elite goal scorer.
2: So, like, uh, here's my feeling on Lacazette. Uh, I uh, I wouldn't take major issue with it, but I think... uh, if you, if a good completion rate for a striker would be 20% and you're getting two shots off per game at the moment, I think Lacazette's getting a hell of a lot of heat for, um, not doing more in front of goal when he's literally getting, you know, a couple of shots per game. We're so shots, uh, shy as a team. Uh, I think that's the kind of thing that, A, you're not going to get a lot of goals and assists. It's amazing that actually Aubameyang and Lacazette are actually well up the numbers in terms of strikers. Uh, Obviously, Aubameyang more than Lacazette. Um, When I go back and look look at games and watch a player in particular, Lacazette does some great shit in the middle of the game. and I think he's mainly getting heat because he's not producing in the box and he's getting two shots off. And you can say, well, hey, maybe it's up to a player to make the space to get the shots off Aguero style, you know, y- you make kind of your own opportunities. I think Lacazette's, uh, I-, I don't want to say he's untouchable and uncriticizable. I don't know what more the guy can do apart from being and going to another level of brilliance. I think he's actually playing okay or pretty good. For a quality striker, and the heat he's getting is just because we're not producing. We're not. Uh, I don't have answers to why we're not producing. I'm delighted Chaka's back. You can see the things he does that we've missed for a little while. Um, some of those. I mean, if you go and ignore the the goals Wolves we'll scored. And and look at some of the things that Chaka was starting to do in terms of putting the ball over the top or swinging the ball up the field. You're like, oh yeah, this feels really good. Uh, just before we score, before they score their first goal, I'm listening to it on Arsenal Player, and I'm listening to Adrian Clark talking about it, and he's feeling pretty good about what we're doing in the first twenty minutes. Well, cetera. yeah, of
1: course. As you would, yeah, yeah. But, but you look yeah. at it objectively, and you're like, we're we're in the right zones, but we're yeah. not creating yeah, yeah. anything.
2: Yeah. And I'm just, look, he, here's when I, where I'm at. I've got no answers. I've barely got questions at the moment. I mean, everybody I've listened to doesn't really have a compelling answer for me on what the problem is.
1: Can, can I can I it, try my hand at it? Because I think I have a bit of it.
2: All right. In one yeah. second, I've got to get my my 20-second <laughs> rant out. Well, it's not really a rant. It's like, it's not knowable. It, it, there's no knowing of the knowing No, here's what I think is going on. It's a complex system. It's not, Tim said this, in other words, it's a lot of things, which is very unsatisfying, but it is a lot of things. And until we start to change some of the players, not because the players are bad or they're the wrong players, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes you just got to broom the executive management, i.e. the team, to change some things so that you change some things. I think it's a complex system. It's lots of little things that just aren't... Because this was such a good lineup. We should have been so, so much better. And as you alluded to, three different types of goals we conceded. All right, over to you, Elliot.
1: Yeah, well, okay, so a few things. First of all, with respect to the Yang lacazette thing, I want to share a stat that came right from my head and in no way came from Scott chatting it to me in the Skype chat. I mean, Lacazette (laughs) is... Uh, a 2.3 open play shot per 90 guy. That's the 82nd percentile. That's a good player. That's a player
2: that you want. Based on this season.
1: Yeah, that's a a player you want at Wolves or Everton or Leicester. That's not a player you want at Arsenal or Chelsea or United or City in terms of shots per 90. But here's the thing. 19 goals for Aubameyang. 13 for Lacazette. 20 XG for Aubameyang. 11 for Lacazette. So Lacazette is... Out, you know, outperforming his XG, which he can do. He's an exceptional finisher. I think that's where he's elite. He just does not create the danger that you need from your first-choice striker. I mean, in a lot of ways, I would say that that's kind of the problem we had with Giroud. Giroud, again, an exceptional player, but just did not create the danger. And I think when you look at a front line of Mkhitaryan, Awobi, and Lacazette, if I'm the defending team, I feel... I feel pretty good about my chances of being able to keep those guys out. Now, Ozil creates a totally different problem because he can play the ball that unlocks the defense, but we're not playing that way anymore. We're pushing it out wide, and we're trying to create things from wide spaces. I thought Wobbe was dreadful in this game, and Mm. I'm not picking on him, but look, if you're going to play that position, you have got to be more decisive. You have to be. He looks very indecisive to me. And he's a player who has strength and power and physicality. And in the middle third, I think he uses it well. And in the final third, I just don't feel he has the directness or the decisiveness. And Mkhitaryan, when you look
2: at our lineup of the front four when we started, I mean, who would have thought we could produce so
3: little?
1: Well, and that that's the question. You know, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, who would have thought? And then the other hand, you look at it and you say, we started a front line of 13 goals, 6 goals, and 3 goals. And... You know, it's it's not particularly inspiring. You know what I feel, Scott, also, as I watched this game, and especially when we fell behind, we just don't have athletes on this team. This feels like a very mm. unathletic team. You know, you look at Maitland-Niles, and he feels very athletic, but, like, we certainly miss Bellerin for that. We certainly miss uh, uh, Welbeck for that. Awobi has physicality, but not that, that burst or that, that real raw athleticism.
2: Maybe Ganduzi.
1: I don't I, I don't think know. He's, he's got, got technical quality, athletic, but not yeah. athleticism. I mean, are we missing that, Scott? He's live. So many- he's live. Sure, but I'm talking about, like, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain athleticism. I'm talking about Theo Walcott <laughs> athleticism. I'm talking about Alexis Sanchez. Real explosiveness. I mean, for Danny Welbeck is a very hit-or-miss player, but he gave us that real explosiveness. Scott, do you think that with the kind of players we're putting out there right now, especially without Aubameyang, there's just not that athleticism that, on a one-on-one situation, can put defenders under enough pressure.
3: Yeah, and I think it's especially noticeable too when Nacho Monreal was the the guy that was on the left hand side too, because, you know, he was never uh, a great athletic player, but I think now that he's gotten into, you know, at 33, I think he is now, he uh, could definitely tell that the age is coming to him, and he just doesn't have that any longer. Um, and you know, Awobi isn't the most athletic player. Uh, he has you know great athleticism, but he's not you know going to be a a track star by any means. So uh, him combined with Monreal on that left side really left nobody there that could really stretch the defense. Um, both of them are not you know really players that are going to be out wide. Um, uh, you know, a wants to, to cut inside and play in the half space, play in the center. So uh, there's really a, a, not a true wide player out there. Mkhitaryan is no longer you know, uh, an athletic player. You know, Ainsley Niles is probably the best that we had on the pitch at the day. And that was yeah, kind of bad. Yeah. It's, 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 it is true. It's something that we're missing, and, especially when a not in the, the team.
1: Yeah. And I think, especially when you fall behind, you know, and, and you're, chasing the game it, to me there looked like a lot of tired legs i'm curious scott like do you think that the way we started the season and Emery's style to begin the season is paying us back so i look at klopp klopp came into the league pressing like mad and his teams fell off early, uh, late in the season i look at pochettino pochettino's teams always fall off late in the season they are still one of the most aggressive pressing teams they have a relatively small squad they fall away late you can point to the fact that they're in a cl semifinal, but they've won what like two of nine Premier League games or something like that. They're they're one of the worst in the forum table for the Premier League. We were topping the distance run charts the entire early part of the season. Remember, that was the thing everyone would talk about is, oh, we've run more than any other team in the league. And we were playing starters in the Europa League. We weren't rotating a ton. Now, I'm not saying the players have been overplayed per se, but certainly the style and the demands on running and maybe the training style, which has been you know called more intense than what it used to be, I felt that this was a listless performance after we fell behind, that there didn't seem to be any real ability for the team to lift itself and and, and fight their way back. It looked lethargic oh, to me.
2: I could give you a list.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> yes, we can do a list. I'm not saying we are listless in terms of being unable oh, to list okay. the problems. I'm saying listless okay. in terms of uh, weary. So, Scott, do you think that potentially what we're seeing right now, I mean, we're in an avalanche of fixtures, right? We're playing every three days for 25 days or whatever it is.
3: Exactly. Yeah. I think it's all the yeah. way basically through May now.
1: Do you think the style that emery has imposed combined with the fixture congestion now is maybe just the simplest explanation that these are very tired players and it's not a young team?
3: Well, yeah. And I think also now that we got hit with a, another little bit of a, an injury bug that came through our midfield and that was something that we actually still had some depth in. And now, you know, we got, you know, Ramsey's out. Uh, Xhaka was out for a bit and that really really hurt the team you know Torreira I think had that that knock for Crystal Palace and couldn't you know couldn't start at least in that game so I think that absolutely hurt the team Um, and then I think yeah the the rotation with the you know the main attackers is also hurt too so it's just everything kind of coming together uh, at the wrong time has really hurt and shown that this this team doesn't have depth it's already been really stretched with the injuries that we had and now a few more on top of it with fixture congestion really just shows that this team isn't very deep.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I I, I feel that while it is frustrating to be this bad defensively, we probably knew that there was only so much we could do to improve. I, I thought we'd improve, we haven't. Um but the attack well, has def- probably
3: been disappointing for me because I really did expect, you know, I thought I thought Arson Wenger was the problem on deep And, you know, everybody always said, just get a better coach in there and, you know, the defense will be, you know, 10% better. It's actually been worse this season.
1: I think (laughs) it has been worse. I I think, to be fair, you know, losing Bellerin is hurt. Nacho looks a year older and slower. Kashelny is doing Herculean things, but, like, you know, still, he can't run, as we've talked about on this podcast. We lost holding. I I think all of those things have conspired to make it harder. Not to mention, we're constantly chopping and changing. And that's, that's something I want to talk to you about, Paul, is that, you know, we wanted a manager who was more tactically astute, who would, who would change for the opposition, mm-hmm. but there isn't a degree to which change can wind up having a, a, a cumulatively negative impact. And I'm starting to wonder if, you know, Arsene Wenger always talked about automatisms, right? And for as, as bad as we were under Arsene in the final season, the one thing that his teams were mostly known for were those pretty triangles and, you know, when it was working, that jazz football we always called it, but there were those automatisms. Players understood each other. Do you think that the constant change between back three, back four, different midfield, you know, uh conservative approach, attacking approach, whatever it is that he's trying, has led to the players not really feeling confident where they're supposed to be and who their partners are. Because the one thing in the Watford game it looked like to me as the game wore on is that there was just a lot of discombobulation in the team. That, you know, you go from playing a back three at home that's very conservative, that relies on the wing backs, to a back four that has, you know, more of a focal point. And I I don't know if players, especially because there's no time to train. It's not like they're getting a week to prepare for the next formation. There's a day in between. Do you think that the, the changes now are leading to the team maybe not being able to get in sync in any one particular style of play?
2: Well, I don't think fundamentally it's wrong to be switching between a back four and a back three. Um, but I think probably with Arsenal, probably with Emery just in, getting to know the personnel, the personnel... Getting to know him, it it's probably more uh, harmful, more destructive to our automatisms to switch between those those formats, those uh, formations, than it might be for other clubs where Pochettino's had a couple of years and he's more settled, etc. Um, so, yeah, I think there's something to that. I still think he should be doing it because I think we can all see there are when you've got this gaping these gaping issues you got to do something and sometimes doing something's better than doing nothing even if it's not, if it, even if in reality you don't think it'll improve things to change things is to at least give belief to your team that there's you know it's the placebo effect 30% better so we got to do what we're doing in terms of threes and fours especially depending on who the center backs or defenders available are I think it does hurt our automatisms. I think what's really struck me in the last couple of games is how poor we are at moving the ball quickly, um, which should be a real strength. It doesn't have to be that way. We've had games, we've had uh, occasions where we've uh, looked like our best selves in terms of moving the ball. Uh, Those haven't been the last couple of games, though. But when you look at the lineup against Wolves, that should have be been an, an absolute setup where everybody knew everybody. I mean, who didn't know everybody on that pitch there in a 4 3 one against Wolves? And it looked like we were beginning to click. We should have quicked on, kicked on from 20 minutes. And maybe it's just the fragility of our our uh, mindset as a club, uh, as a squad, that we went from beginning to beginning to kick in at 20 minutes with Wolves to conceding to, oh shit, we lost the plot. But I think we were well on course to dis- dem- demonstrating our automatisms against Wolves and we got derailed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what a line... I mean, who didn't know each other on that pitch? And it's not knowing each other. it shouldn't have writing, been it's successful? It's, yeah.
1: It's, it's style of play. I You know what, it's two, hard.
2: 4 3 one though. And yeah. we were beginning to click. Why... You know, there, here, so here's my short version of the rant. I mean, I don't, you know, what, what don't we know? What do we know? I've no answers. There's no easy answer for this thing. It's not knowable what the problem is. It, it, people are complex. Teams are even more complex. Squads are even more complex. Throw in a manager. It's just really complicated. And every answer I've listened to is just... It's unsatisfying, and I don't know what Uh, the fucking answer is.
1: Look, I do think that everybody is searching for an answer to explain something that may not have any easy, straightforward explanation. Some people want to use mentality, some people bristle at that. Some people, yeah, Yeah. some people want to use um, specific players that they want to kick, like Mustafi, which kick away, I'm fine with it, but he didn't play this day. He didn't fuck
2: up at Wolves.
1: No, but you know, and here's the thing, Scott. I mean, ultimately, let's put a pin in this conversation and move it in another direction for a minute, but before we do, we gave up three goals at Wolves. One was a free kick. Two were goalkeeping errors. Okay, um, they had four shots on target. Now, don't get me wrong; there were times I think where I they cut three us shots
3: open. on target for them.
1: You have you have them as three shots. So there you go. Three goals on three shots on target.
2: And at least of the one of the goalkeeping errors, I'm not contradicting you, but at least one of the co- goalkeeping errors, there was a you know there was that give up by I think it was Chaka lobbed it over Mkhitaryan who blinked and thought twice and about no it, one and chased. then yeah. that no one chased. There's a bit more to it than that. So it, to me, it was three different kinds of goals, but yeah.
1: Sure, and, and I, I'm not, by the way, Leno has been one of our best players. I have no yeah. criticism for him, but he picked a bad day to have a bad day, right? Because if he keeps those two, yeah. you know, if he doesn't flap at the, at the free kick, and if he mm. keeps the low shot across him out, we maybe steal something we don't deserve. But Scott, I mean... When you look at where we are as a team right now and you say the thing that's going to hold us back in the remaining games, we know what our defense is. We have to create more danger. We can't be a team that takes 11 shots away, one on target. We can't be a team that puts out a lineup that has a 13-goal scoring striker, a 3-goal scoring winger, and a 5-goal scoring winger, you know, none of whom are particularly high-volume shooters. I think losing Ramsey hurts so much, obviously, because it gives you another player from midfield that can add to that attack, run beyond Lacazette, which he sort of seems to need, I think. Um, you saw it, the, the goal against Palace, right? Lacazette playing with his back to goal, plays it to to Ozil running in. We don't have that kind of threat in this team. And so, you know, if we're going to get anything out of this season, Europa League or Premier League, how do you think he has, what, what does Emery have to do to make us more dangerous so that we don't wind up in games like this where we're just too easy to hold at arm's length. Man,
3: I, I honestly don't know the answer to it. So I'm a great podcast guest here, but I think part of it is that Arsenal, we, everybody knows that they're not a good defensive team. So I think that you have to use your offense as a form of defense. And especially when you're playing a team that doesn't want the ball, you have to use that to really pin them back just like you know some of the you know the other big teams do and you know you kind of still see um, you know what what Tottenham did against uh, you know Brighton, they just absolutely pushed them all the way back. That was a little bit different because Brighton didn't want anything to do with that game yeah, but true. they just went through and just pushed them all the way back and it's one of those things like when they're just stuck in their final third, you know, even if you're taking shots from long, eventually something's going to kind of break through. You're going to be able to get a lucky break kind of thing. I think that's almost got to be the the mentality. Is just we got to go all out attack and use that as a, you know, everybody's so worried about what we're doing to them that they don't really have that chance to attack us as much. You know, we're, we'll still probably give up, you know, two or three counterattacking chances. But, you know, maybe that's better than, you know, what we've been giving up a game. You know, maybe we can get the shots allowed uh, you know, into the single digits and, you know, maybe only a couple, you know, decent chances. And, you know, you depend on Leno to, to beat all have a, a better game because it's just the way it's going is not working. So I think you got to lean into the strengths and not try to paper over the the weaknesses right now.
1: Well, I, I want to get into some of the the soft factors, as they say, the mentality and things like that. I want to talk about a few individual performances um, and then I want to talk about where it leaves us. I want to talk about where we are in top four, if that's even something we should be talking about anymore, if the focus should turn entirely, entirely to the Europa League. But I think there's one thing we can all agree on, and that's that our focus should always be on the strength and intimacy in our relationship. And for that reason, we're going to take a break. We're going to hear about a way to enhance the intimacy in your relationship. When we come back, we're gonna talk more about what was a truly dreadful day and perhaps the end of our top four hopes. But don't worry, we're gonna lift your spirits with a little lingerie right now. Stay with us. Okay, everyone, it's time to tell you about our friends at Enclosed Lingerie. You can find them online at the enclosed the e n c l o s e d.com enclosed lingerie is a lingerie of the month club that's right just like a beer of the month club only better because it's a high-end luxury lingerie gift for you and your partner that's going to enhance the intimacy in your relationship right now if you put in arsenal at checkout they're going to give you 35 dollars off any gift from enclosed lingerie so you're going to want to go to the and sign up now what better way to celebrate the romance in your relationship than celebrating with a gift from the enclosed and the gifts keep coming every month so while it can be difficult to remember to keep the romance to keep the intimacy in your relationship the enclosed has your back every month you're going to get that high-end luxury lingerie gift and it's going to remind you of the importance of romance in your relationship. So do it now. Go to theenclosed.com. There is a perfect fit guarantee, so you never have to worry about the fit. It's beautiful high-end luxury lingerie. Just go to theenclosed.com and enter promo code ARSENAL for $35 off at checkout. Do it now. Okay, we're back. We never really left. That just ran. We were sitting here. We never left, but we're back. Can you come back if you never left? Let's find out if Arsenal can come back because they seem to have left. They seem to have left the top four uh, race. Remember in like chat rooms when something would say like so-and-so has left the chat. Arsenal has left the top four chat. Have they? Have they not? Let's talk about it real quick. Paul, has Arsenal left the top four race?
2: So if I had to put a number on it, I mean, obviously there's three teams chasing that top four spot. Chelsea, United, they play each other. Can we win uh, three games in the on the trot based on what we've just seen? No. Uh, Could we win two games plus a draw? Maybe. Um, So I think we're at about... 33% 33% there. And I know we're going to talk about the Europa League, but you got to say we're about evens with Valencia, if you ask the outsiders. And a finals kind of close to 50-50, so we're about 25% there. So the if we play Chelsea on-
1: and Baku, that's going to be like a slap fight, like that a pillow fight. Yeah. I'm sorry. You talk about two terrible teams playing for the right to win a Euro- European trophy. Jesus.
2: Yeah, but it's kind of fun playing Chelsea generally for Arsenal lately and in, in come. Cup competition, so you got to put that at about fifty-fifty. So I think we're twenty-five percent for the Europe, and I I think it's a little better than that because I think uh, Emery. You just get the sense he's more comfortable there than he is really gr- grappling with the idea that we're playing Crystal Palace and Wolves in the Premier League. You know, you can still quibble about the. Pri- Crystal Palace lineup I know he didn't have a lot of options but I still feel he thought that was more done than it was and he's still finding his legs in the Premier League and he knows the Europa League so maybe that helps the Europa League side of it a little bit I don't know if this is where you're going with it but Premier League I'd put it about maybe 30% and Europa League at about 30% so fuck.
1: Yeah I mean I I listened to Amy Lawrence on the Arscast Yeah. Yeah, uh, a far guys, superior post- podcast to this one. and, and Much
2: better. Yes, yeah. much, be- in much fact, better. In fact, in fact, when I listen to a podcast, I li- listen to
3: theirs, not ours.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, great. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> I took the joke to the appropriate level. I just to be known level. that I was
3: going to be a, an Arsenal women's supporter now. So yeah. they're they it, at, at least a good they, team. They win things. Um, Why are you always talking about women, Stan? Stan?
2: Life of Brian reference. Oh, okay. Jesus okay. Christ, Sorry. guys.
1: My My Loretta. bad. Well, I thought you were talking about Stan Kroenke, and I thought you had something you wanted to announce, and maybe you dug up some dirt on him. Um,
2: Look. Loretta Kroenke.
1: The one thing I will say about Amy's point, you know, she was talking about how, you know, if we win the Europa League, we should be hugely uh, excited about that and be a big deal. I totally agree. I think the one point she missed is, you know, five days ago, six days ago, whatever it was, the Premier League was actually our better chance at Champions League qualification. So she was saying on that podcast, you know, Champions League qualification is the key. That was the goal this whole season, and the Europa League is a great way to do it. And I totally agree with her. But it's shitting the bed in these last two games. That's made that the better way. Yeah, if I she's told terrible.
2: You, you, she know, is terrible.
1: No, she's great. Oh, okay. Stop it. What, what I was saying is, like, like if you asked any Arsenal fan before the Palace game, which was our more straightforward path to Champions League at that point, Premier League or Europa League, you'd say Premier League. I mean, we didn't need to do very much. We need to win our home games and maybe get a point from one of our away games. And now that that looks far-fetched. Well, let me ask you, Scott, you have all the models, if we're talking about that sort of thing. <laughs> That's what they always say about Scott. He's got all the models. Um, but we're talking about the mathematical ones. Um, what does your mathematical model say in terms of uh, our likelihood of uh, finishing in the top four now? And can I'm I still just have add,
2: it. I, I'm banging the bangable models. Can I say
1: that? No, you can't because it's you did. both, yeah, scrap both that. gross, that gross out. misogynistic, <laughs> and, and not appropriate <laughs> yeah. for the era that we are recording. I'm this so in, glad
2: but... this isn't live.
1: No, I know. Yeah. I'll edit that out in post. Don't worry. Um, oh, yeah, n- great. Great. Uh, so, so Scott, what, what does the model say?
3: Um, I have us at 44 percent to still get into the top four. So I know things are bad at least from an Arsenal's perspective. But you know, you listen to fans from Chelsea, and they have the same complaints about their team. It's just. Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United—they're all kind of Chelsea, just not not great teams. Like, Chelsea
1: couldn't that, beat Brighton at was it Brighton or Burnley? Burnley, Burnley. At home. they couldn't beat Burnley. United lost four 0 to Everton. Any of these teams can lose any of their games, but I think if we go to Leicester and lose, which everybody's going to expect us to do, are we in a position then where Emery just gives up on the league and and goes all out for Europa?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think if that really is probably the the big um, decider, but. You know, even if they do lose and Chelsea lose to Manchester United, they're still just one point back and you know, it's not the end of the world. I still think it, it makes a big difference if Arsenal win. But Chelsea and Manchester United match is really probably gonna decide things. So if Chelsea win, I think they have everything, you know, really in their control. If there's a draw there, I, I think Arsenal are just as likely to kind of stumble their way into the top four as into the other three teams. It's I would just go so far as the to say kind it. of mediocre go teams fighting for one spot.
1: I'd go so far as to say if we beat Leicester, I think we will finish top four. I just don't think we can beat Leicester. I mean, I I have, I had so much optimism the way we were playing, but the way we were playing now, I don't. And I, it's for so many reasons. Mkhitaryan you know, came back. I
3: still have Arsenal as the, the favorite in that match. So I have a 45% to, you know, get a win. So as bad as Arsenal have been, and this does take into account, you, you know, our bad it. away oh, form. And, you know, it's, you know, it's basically 30, 25, 45. So it's, you know, about as even as a match as you can get. Um, it's it's still a good possibility. Arsenal, you know, they are frustrating, but you know, we went to Napoli and we won. Leicester is not as good as Napoli. We can do yeah, it. It's not. It's not out of the no, question. You're wrong.
1: I'm gonna stop you. You're wrong. Mm, uh, we went means, to Napoli know, and won a game where all the pressure was off, largely. Um, I, maybe I think the
3: pressure's off. We're we're no longer in control.
1: No, no. <laughs> you're not. You're not selling that shit to me, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, look, I I think. First of all, it looks like Yang's not going to be available for Sunday, which I think is another huge problem. Again, where are the Based goals on. coming from? Uh, the latest report. They said he's being uh, assessed, but the insider info was that he's a doubt. Oh, so,
2: Insider info, is it? I, I, I mean, I mean
1: if, if I'm known for anything, it's insider info. Do um,
2: you, you have the channels that the rest of us
1: don't Do have. you know for Discord, a long time I ran the, a... the Indy Kyla account on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I
3: thought yeah, you were look, the Arsenal horse. Uh,
1: that, that, that actually is three people,
3: <laughs> but, but, um, so, yeah, that's three of so, us right now.
1: Yeah. There you go. All right. Look, let's get back on track here. L- let's talk about people that you maybe weren't super impressed with in this game. And, you know, I mentioned to Wobi, I thought he, he had a really disappointing game and, you know, it's not that he did anything wrong where you're like, that was a huge error. It's just that I think he carries so little threat. Most games, Scott, was there anyone in particular in this game that you really felt let down
3: by? Um, I thought Ozil actually was very bad in this one. Um, yeah, his, you know, kind of his, you look at the the stats and, you know, his passing numbers are fine. He creates two chances, but he he ended up losing the ball nine times in this match. Um, and I think a lot of those, he really was looking to the referee to bail him out when he just got taken the ball off of him. And he just kind of fell over and he's like, hey, isn't that a foul? And the referee just looked at him and said, "No, it is not." And he just was sad. And that was probably the worst thing that I've seen from him this season. So um, I have my offensive value added stat, and he was actually um, a negative, and it was a, a negative point two. So he was worth more to um, to Wolves than he was to Arsenal. And, and he, never, he never he never does that,
1: right? That stat is, know, this is made almost, for him.
3: Exactly. It's 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 sad. It's between it's basically him and Hazard that this stat was made to kind of highlight all the the little details that they do so well. And, and this, this was is Mekatarian, correct? No, this uh, is Ozel Oh, sorry, Ozel Oh, Jesus. Yeah. yeah so take, it was. I pick, thought though. that was disappointing, and especially when you know it's your your highest played player. You need a result. You really kind of want him to step up. Even if he hadn't had a, you know, this this negative number here, I still would have been disappointed with him because this is a team or a game that you really need him to be able to step up and do something magical. You know, you mm-hmm. need somebody like that to be able to do that, and he just he couldn't, and it's disappointing. Um, I guess Leno was also disappointing, but I think he's been um, a very good player this year, so I really don't want to beat him up. I thought Nacho Monreal played. It's probably better to say who I thought played well in this game, and I probably don't really have anybody.
1: Yeah, but we don't care about that. Uh, Paul, you you mentioned Mkhitaryan. This is a weird thing. So Mkhitaryan came back from injury right before the Bate game. I think it was against Huddersfield, and went on a run where for a period of about five or six games, I think he was our best player. Uh, Statistically, he certainly was, but he was just uh, herring around the pitch, providing end product, covering back, um, you know, and it allowed us to play the this, this center forward one up top, which we hadn't been doing, and still look like we had a cutting edge, and something's changed. He's completely fallen off a cliff, mm-hmm. and I, that's where I think we're really missing, because Wobi is what he is. You know you're not going to get goals and really hardly any assists from him, but Mikitarian is supposed to carry more of that threat. He's not shooting. He's not getting into the box. He's not providing the end product. He's losing the ball a lot. Is his decline, like sudden falling off a cliff decline in form for you one of the big reasons why we're struggling especially with one up top
2: yeah i think so i mean when you think it will be in mkhitaryan in that formation if neither of them is really producing we're pro- if somebody told you that um without you having seen the game you'd think we're probably struggling and mkhitaryan you know, he was implicated in two of the goals. I mean, we, we've we seen throughout the season he spills the ball a lot. It's kind of a risk-reward thing. Ramsey, to some degree, does the same thing. In this game, he was implicated in two of their goals, um, spilling the ball upfield, and then on the, I think it's the third goal, Chaka chips it back to him, and, and Mkhitaryan blinks. You can't maybe put it all down to him. You know, Chaka has a role, and so does, does Leno, so... Maybe we'll split it uh, third each. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, he's he's been out a bit. He's back. He's played. He's not played. Um, you can make some excuses for him, but I definitely think that vacuum of performance from Mkhitaryan has hurt us. Um, and, you know, Ozil – see, the thing with the Ozil thing is, uh, you know, uh, 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 maybe – I don't know what Scott's view on stats are, but – I mean, it's tough in one game.
1: Least favorite thing in the game.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I like them when they agree with my opinion. I think that's been said before. Um, You know, I watched Ozil in this game, and particularly the previous game, and I think he's doing what he can do. I don't know. I know it didn't pan out for him in terms of the numbers here, and in terms of Arsenal's performance. But if I look for, if I want one thing from Ozil, I want him trying and pushing and. And like the body, people say, oh, you can't judge him on his body language. You absolutely can. If I've ever seen a player you can judge on body language, it's Mesedozal. Other people try and hide it. He's he's like utterly rubbish at writing, at uh, uh, hiding his, his body language, uh, which is great. You can judge Mesedozal on his body language. And I think he's been applying himself, doing what he can. It just hasn't quite been paying off. I wouldn't blame him. I wouldn't blame Lacazette. I don't know. Again, back to my previous point of I don't know who or what to blame. I, I agree in this particular game, I blame, say, for example, Iwobi and Mkhitaryan because neither of them fired, neither, neither of them hit. Um, But I wouldn't blame them across the season this is just a one off game i you know i thought chaka did uh, a lot of things you'd want him to do in this game and this team is just off and i i can't uh, yeah, so but, it, it, let me throw in one other thing i watched the Emory press conference and most of, most of them are unwatchable from my standpoint in terms of he's just learning anything? the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah but I actually liked his press conference after this one. I I think he's beginning to communicate in real terms. I liked what I saw in his eyes. I'm starting to believe he's the right guy, even if we're at the wrong moment. Yikes. Um, yeah, I know. I know. But I'm going to put it out there. Uh, um, I liked him when we picked him. Even though I was an Arteta boy, I liked him in the early phases. I wasn't sure in the middle. I'm starting to think he's the right guy. We're just at a moment in terms of our transition. You know, this is a really long discussion, and so I'll cut it short. But I'm beginning to think he has the right mentality, the right intelligence, the right approach. And I don't know. But beyond him, I don't know what the fuck is wrong at the moment, but it's wrong.
1: I can already picture which Twitter accounts are going to have words with you for the I can see it so in his come. eyes. For, for, I, can so see it. I know, I know. Look, I, it's not that I don't think he's the right appointment necessarily, but I do think... He's made some mistakes along the way this season, and that's inevitable. I think he fell into the one trap that a lot of new managers do. I don't think he got the Christmas period right. I don't think he got the Europa League group stage right. And I think we are paying for it now. I think the smallness of the squad, the injuries that are not his fault. I mean, we lost three first-team regular players holding Bellerin Welbeck to season-ending injuries. We lost Ramsey at a moment where... The team was so heavily dependent on his contributions to give us balance in the midfield. I mean, you look at Granite Shaka, 51 of his passes, he completed, I think, 83 passes. 51 of them went to defenders. We're just not progressive enough through the midfield without Ramsey. Um, Scott, I'm going to ask you the question that doesn't really fit for you so much, but it's about mentality. I like to talk about data driven answers to questions. I think that's great, but I don't have a stat
2: for that, Scott. Do you? Yeah.
1: What's the mentality stat say? Look, (laughs) I don't have a problem with going down the mentality road because I don't think it can be ignored completely. I felt after we conceded the first goal, we went from a game where we were dominant in possession and pushing them back at least, if not creating dangerous scoring opportunities, to falling completely out of the game. Heads dropped. I thought players started walking. No one stepped up and wanted responsibility. More of the passing immediately started to be lateral and regressive and back to defenders and off to the side I think there is a mentality issue. I think this this team has a glass jaw. And I think when they take a shot in that jaw, there's a here we go again element and they kind of just fold and they folded like a thing that folds in this game. Um that that's what we call metaphor in the industry.
3: I'm picturing a, uh, you know, one of those old-fashioned kind of beach chairs that has the, yes. the the vinyl slats, you know, you get your legs stuck in it as you're folding or, it and Arsenal are falling over as it's just all Coming crashing around them. That's that's what I picture.
1: Or perhaps a nice silk chemise from the enclosed. But either way, I I like yours. Um I mean, let's talk mentality for a minute. Is it fair to point to this team's mentality and say, yeah, this is a problem. This team has a glass jaw.
3: I, I you know, people like to dismiss mentality. Um and I get it. You can't measure it, you can't see it. It's something that's intangible. But I think anybody who's worked together with other humans understands that that is just something that happens. There's a a group mentality that kind of comes through. You have confidence and you have your, you know, if you don't trust the people around you, it changes the way that you and, you know, let me just jump in real quick,
1: Scott, let me just jump in and say it this way. Anyone who thinks culture isn't a thing in an organization spend 5 minutes working in a company with toxic culture and tell me if you still feel that way because i have been yeah. at failing companies surprise surprise um, and when the culture goes bad the results go with it
3: exactly so it's not, it, it's you can't dismiss it but it's also something that it's you can't really quantify it so it's it's hard to really put too much blame on it I think it's something that when things are going well it's overrated. When things are going bad, it's something or when it's things are going well, it's overrated. When things are going bad it's also overrated. But I think it's something that's just there. Um, I don't know how you change it. I think how do you explain
1: that we're a team that always right. loses when we fall behind and always wins when we go ahead?
3: It's it's yeah. I, I don't know if there's something oh one your, your pro- win probability from going ahead is all right just fa- fair tired. fair point
1: how do you explain that when we have the lead in a game we tend to win and when we're behind we tend to li- all right that's dumb that's really dumb and i would I, I retract that i guess what i meant though is that we that we tend we to do, We
3: do we do seem to do better than what would be expected from those situations You're yes right. so yes it- yeah okay so yes, teams that go ahead win more often, but I think Arsenal tend to even do better than that and then the opposite for when they go behind. So there is probably something to it. Um, we've changed managers. The mentality stayed the same. We've changed quite a few players. The mentality stayed the same. So I, I honestly, I have no idea how to fix it. And it's not on those knowable. Of, it is not knowable, but it is something that is something that it needs to get fixed. I, I don't know can, how to fix can it. Can I ask you a question?
1: Can, sure. Then let, me, let me ask you a quick question. Um when it happened under Arsene Wenger it was put forward that the team lost faith in the coach. I'm not saying that's the case here, but I'm saying you know is there anything you want to draw on or see that might suggest to you that there would be any questioning of Emery's methodology that's going on here. I mean given that you know we're one year removed from everybody agreeing oh the players down tools. I'm not saying the players are downing tools. I mean, do do you feel strongly that he still has their support and that what you're seeing in the way they're playing demonstrates that?
3: There's no obvious signs, at least, you know, through leaks or, you know, things coming out from players that it seems that they are not trusting what Emory's saying. They are trying their best, and it seems that they have at least attempted to buy into what he's trying to do. But I think there is definitely the possibility with all of the changes and you know they don't have a, a one system that we play so there isn't something that you can just fall back on that you know you can go back to basics when things are going wrong because there has been so many different kinds of things that have been trying to implement it so there isn't one system that you can say all right you know things aren't going right let's just go do what we know how to do and let's focus on that because I think that's also part of one of the things that when things are going wrong you need to be able to focus on things so, that so, so you're, can you're I good respond at. to that
1: because I, I have course, a theory yeah. on that.
3: You're the host, I think. so you can do whatever you
1: want. W- I, well, literally, I could turn your microphone off. But I would never do that to you because your contributions are more important than mine. But, but real quick, I think what's so interesting between what's happening at Chelsea and Arsenal is that you are seeing the exact opposite thing result in the similar outcome. And what I mean is, at Chelsea, you have one set style that is dogma. That is how you play, that is the immutable. way you play. It is immutable, well said Paul, thank you for cutting across me, I really appreciate it. And and when it doesn't work, they're desperate to see a change but the manager won't change. This is how we play, we believe in our system. And when it's not working, they're they're frustrated. Sort, of like, sort of like what we experienced under Wenger. We have the opposite situation. We have a manager who is clearly trying to figure out how to get the most of this team back three, back four, play Ramsey and Ozil, leave Ramsey and Ozil out, two up top, one up top with wide players. I mean, he's trying. Get Mustafi in, get Mustafi out, you shake him all about, and then you fire him in the sun. But like, I think it's it's ironic to see two managers in totally diametrically opposed ways struggling with the same kind of problem. And, and so it's hard to say that the other way would work because we're seeing before our eyes how the other way doesn't work. I feel very strongly that Emery has failed in one respect this season, and that is to find an eleven that roughly approximates his first eleven and an approach that roughly approximates his first approach and stick with it. But I also acknowledge that between injuries and behind the scenes issues with Ozel and some issues with Ramsey, which ultimately became injury issues as well, and you know, the the overwhelming amount of fixtures, maybe he hasn't been able to lean into one particular style or approach. So, you know, I am cognizant of that, but Scott, I do think that, that you look at Chelsea and if you want to say the problem at Arsenal is that we don't have one defined style, you can look at Chelsea and say, well, sometimes that doesn't work either.
3: Yeah, and I think with Chelsea though is because they are coming from such a different starting point that he's coming in and he's trying to change that baseline culture and then he's getting the pushback. So there isn't that buy into what is our basics. So I think that could be helping explaining there. So there's still the fight in what is the the thing that we are good at and what can we fall back on as this is what we do best i still think that they still think that counter is probably you know solid defensively counter-attack that is what they're good at that's what they did so long under marino that's what they did under conte so i think that's kind of been ingrained in them and now you know sari's coming in he's trying to say that this isn't right so there is the the fight in what is the the baseline so yes they've been changing what they, what sorry, want, to what sorry wants to do, but it's different than what the team was doing for so long. That's hard to get that change. So it's a a culture mm-hmm. change. It's it's not easy. Again,
1: yeah, you know it's it's funny too, Scott. In a way, if we're going to continue with this, we are diametric opposites uh, uh, concept that we're working on. They have no striker that will score goals for them. We have two good ones, but we can't find a wide player, and they've got Eden Hazard. So it's like. We're sort of each one half of, of of a decent team and a decent solution. I don't know, Paul. I, I think now we look ahead. Um, you know, and, and we look at the the game at Leicester. If I'm Emory, I'm throwing my hands up a little bit. I tried a back three. I tried a back four. I tried one up top. I've tried two up top. You know, I've I've tried conservative midfield with El Nenny and Ganduzi. I've tried to be more aggressive nothing's really worked for him as we start to wrap up i wonder if you have any thoughts on any other way he might try to do it this sunday to elicit a response out of his team or if at this point he's going to be pretty much just guessing the way a lot of us are
2: it's not knowable and he's got to be sitting there utterly flummoxed like the rest of us um so you know he's tried his line up against wolves uh, we concede three basically on 25 minutes, 35 minutes and 45 minutes plus or minus a minute. Um, bang, bang, bang. And he must've been like, what the fuck? We had Socrates and Koscielny as center backs with Maitland Niles and Monreal. I mean, that's a pretty secure back four. I thought Maitland Niles had a pretty good game here. Um, uh, uh, as secure a back four as we have, that's the back four. So he could go to a back three as he's done many times before. Um, I, I'm guessing that's for the sake of doing something a little different, but then he's like really put, uh, I guess the advantage with that is he makes us a more counter attacking team, which may confuse Lester a little bit at home because they do like to counter attack. Um, I don't know where he goes with this I I don't think it's knowable I don't think he knows I don't think any of us knows but on the other hand the the great clarifying distilling qualifier qualifier of this is we probably do have to win this and the next two games and so concentration focus must be absolute um, unless there's a sense in the squad that Europa League is the way we're going to get there, but I, I don't see that as as the de- you know the default swap to. So what I'm hoping for this weekend is, I don't think it's a formation question. Uh, personnel is largely decided by who's available. Uh, we don't have lots of options. Um, it's it's literally a focus and a will to win, and everybody getting on the same page and doing it at Leicester. Um, it's going to be intriguing to see. We look back and we try and learn lessons from the last game or two, but then you couldn't le- learn lessons from the two games before it. It's all fucking new. The good news for everybody is who knows what's going to happen in the next thing. It's, it's,
1: uh, well, we're going to uh, lose it, away, but other than that, it's, no, who knows? It's
2: almost <laughs> quant- that's terrible. It's almost quantum theory. We don't know what will happen next. Well, that's the good news. We don't know.
1: I think you saw a little bit under the hood for Emery in, in the in the Wolves game in the sense that I thought his switch to the back three was craven. I'm sorry. I thought it was craven. such a b- craven. I think he, he had us in a back four to start. We were pushing them back. We got punched in the nose. We got punched in the nose again with some errors. We were still progressing the ball. He defaulted back to the thing that he thought was safe and reasonable, which was the back three. And we went from progressing the ball into the final third but creating no danger to not even being able to get the ball into the final third. I thought when he made that switch, he ended our chance to really put them under pressure. Um, I just don't— He doesn't like data. I don't think he likes data. See, I'll take issue with that. (laughs) I don't think he is data-driven. I think he is film-driven. And I think those two things are different. I think he looks at what's on tape, and that is a form of data, but I don't think he's necessarily evaluating the data per se, because he makes a lot of decisions that go against what the data says. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean the data's right, and I'm not saying I know better than Emery, and I I have liked Emery most of this season. I think this period shows that he still doesn't really totally know his team. He doesn't totally know it, and to be fair, who could? You've got a Mkhitaryan that looks like a shadow of the player he was a couple weeks ago. You've got, you know, a Lacazette who's a great finisher but doesn't seem to get enough shots off and create danger. Ozil was in fine form when Ramsey was playing. He couldn't influence this game. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what you do. So, so Scott, let me ask you this. In the search for for something, is Eddie and Nketiah an option? I thought he looked really bright. Look, it's a huge roll of the dice, but if there's one thing I believe, Arsenal fans would have sympathy for Emery starting an academy kid to add some boost to an attack that's been struggling. I thought he was the bright spot of this whole game if there was one. Could he look to that to say, I've got to get something more dynamic on the pitch?
3: I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, do, who do you replace him with? Be, I mean, I guess M- you, M- you... replace McTarrion. Yeah, I was going to say, that's can't probably... He can't get worse the, than what he's, he's been. A, Exactly, he's probably a little bit more of a, an athletic player. I mean, I don't know, maybe you bring in one of the other kids, you know, Were you impressed by
1: Were you impressed I, you by Ankatia? By I,
3: I mean, it was only 20 minutes, yes. but yeah, I mean it wasn't I bad. He was really good. Yeah, he seemed to be, you know, at least trying um doing, you know, a little <laughs> bit more direct things. So, that's something that's nice. He, he wasn't was strange. Yeah, he came people kind of knocked Lacazette uh, while talking about
2: Ankatia, but I think you have an interesting angle. I mean, he was playing out wide versus a Mkhitaryan or an Iwobi and he's an option. What
1: well, what I will say is this. In the twenty minutes he was on, he did with his wide position what I wish Iwobi would do, which is knock the ball past a defender and run after it. Now maybe Iwobi doesn't have the burst to do it, but Enkedia did it well and he and he got the ball in the dangerous positions. Um I mean I I think Scott he's if if Obamian can't play, he's got to get someone on who can be more of a of a of a threat. So I don't you know I don't know how he's how he's going to fix that, and I don't think it's Dennis Suarez, which you just typed into the chat. Was that was that meant to be uh, antagonizing me, or did you mean that
3: realistically? He's going to save our season. Is he fit? I have no idea. Isn't his groin like even, torn is he even, into pieces? Is he, I, didn't he go back to like Barcelona? He's still injured. He's still injured. He's still injured. If yeah.
1: he yeah. if he even exists at all. Groin. All right, his Scott, groin. give, give, give me know, a prediction. You know,
2: if I were an Arsenal player who wasn't playing, <laughs> I'd keep telling everybody my problem was
1: my groin. I think your problem is your groin,
3: quite frankly. Uh, Scott, give me a give me a prediction. I, I think Arsenal are going to be able to get a win here. I think they're going to keep a chance. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be 2-1 to to Arsenal. I'll say 4-0 to,
1: to Leicester. Paul?
3: Um, I, I'm going to regret it, but I, I do okay. think so. What the f***? Uh, I, you, you know, know what? what? I'm getting up at 4 a.m. to watch this game. I need to have at least something positive to think about this. Because just stay, just stay
1: up. Yeah.
3: Look, I actually think
2: we're going to win this because, what's the term? The past is prelude.
1: The past only. is prologue.
2: Prologue, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think we're actually, the past isn't prologue. I think we're actually going to win this one.
1: Why? 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 just cuz where's the that character really where, where's the us. character to suggest that we're going to pull ourselves up dust ourselves off and really go for it in this game where where was the fight and the anger and the, the grit and the desire in the last two games to show that we really desperately want to finish above these teams that we want to finish above Spurs our hated rivals that we want to be in the top 4 that we want to play Champions League football Oh, it's going to show I've, up now that it's gone?
2: Oh, oh! I've flushed you out, Elliot. <laughs> I have flushed you
1: out. I've been trying. I've been trying to keep it under wraps, <laughs> but it's not working. I think he's put Look, me on tilt I with the I-can-see-it-in-his-eyes comment.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a narrowing of focus. We will do this, Elliot. M- why? Because it's
1: because it's too late now? <laughs>
2: so, because it's almost too late.
1: I will say this. If we win this game, I th- I think I'd give us... I give us a good fighting chance to go on and, and wind up finishing top four. What a difference. I mean, you talk about a sliding doors moment, though. If we get Champions League football next season and can use that this summer to improve our rebuild and, you know, move the team oh, God, up a how notch. big that
3: rebuild's going to be. Oh,
1: it's going to be monster. We're not going to get into that now because that, that's a huge topic to cover. So we're going to get ready to say goodbye. I'll, I'll just ask you this. Um, Scott, I mean, do you, think, do you think beating Leicester puts us back in, in the driver's seat?
3: Um, well it all depends on what happens between Chelsea and Manchester United. Yeah, I guess
1: that's a good point. If Chelsea wins it's probably theirs to, to lose at that point. Exactly. I mean <laughs> that's Arsenal don't don't have, don't have
3: it, you know, in their control anymore. So they are dependent yeah. on Chelsea Chelseaing it. Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully they Chelsea it more than we Arsenal it. Is Chelseaing it a thing? They've kind of won a lot. It's Do we going want to them to right Chelsea? Now. <laughs> okay, we'll find out. All there's right.
2: Spurs there's arsenal I don't know if there's Chelsea. Yeah. I think
1: Chelsea means like racially abusing someone on a subway platform, but oh, yeah. we we certainly don't want to see any of that happen. In any event, look, let's leave it there. I think I still feel really good about our chances in the Europa League. So there's that. I they have the the club has beaten the hope out of me in the league though. And it's really really mm. depressing. Uh mm. Paul's on Twitter, Paul's on my pants. Thanks pause woo <laughs> Scott's on Twitter at O underscore that underscore crab. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Really? Yeah.
3: Scott's on Twitter at O underscore
1: that underscore crab. Thank you. No?
2: Thank
3: you. No, that's all I got. Nope, I'm no, I'm not doing no, it. No, no Thank you.
1: All right. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter Yankee Gunner. Give us five-star review. Write nasty things about Tim and Clive, who will be back. Uh, we whipped this one together because it was getting late in the week. Those of you who joined us live, we really appreciate you doing it. Uh, Glad to have the opportunity to share this hour of uh, enlightenment and uplifting uh, answers about football for you. I particularly like Paul's insight. I will say this. We're so blessed to have so many intelligent people that come on this podcast but I think you have to point to Paul who comes on a podcast where I ask him questions and his answer repeatedly throughout the hour is, it's unknowable. (laughs) Super helpful. (laughs) Thanks for that, Paul. Um, But you know what? We're going to come back with a lot more. We've got cool stuff planned for Patreon next week, so we appreciate you putting up with us and this sort of impromptu live show. uh, For those of you listening as normal, it will be as normal, only without the, uh, the helpful presence of Tim and Clive. So, we'll take a break. We're going to watch Arsenal do what they do on Sunday, and then we will cry into a microphone for an hour sometime around Monday. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10. Yeah, Arsenal 10? Yeah, why not? Arsenal 10, Lester Nil. <laughs>